Welcome to From the View Box with Hal and Chris. This is the podcast of the UMass Medical School Department of Radiology. My name is Hal Lowe from the Division of Emergency Radiology. And I am Christopher Cernelia from Musculoskeletal Imaging. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, today we have uh, Dr. Carolyn DeBenedictus uh, returning to uh, From the View Box. Um, today, um, Dr. DeBenedictus will be talking to us uh, on an introduction to BIRADS. And um, Dr. DeBenedictus is our Associate Professor of Radiology in the Division of Women's Imaging and a Program Director for the Diagnostic Radiology Residency, as well as the Vice Chair of Education here at uh, UMass Radiology. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for having me back. Um, so today we're going to talk about BIRADS and a little bit of an introduction to BIRADS. And the I guess the focus is going to be more towards our um, junior residents uh, introduction. And so I guess before we get into some of the, the, the nitty gritty of the categories and some of the things that I've certainly forgotten, unfortunately, um, how about uh, just giving us kind of an overview of what BIRADS is and, and maybe a history of like why it was developed? Absolutely, absolutely. So BIRADS is a special language that we use in mammography to very specifically outline what the finding is, how suspicious the finding is, as well as what the management of the finding should be. So BIRADS stands for the Breast Imaging Reporting and Data System. And it was created because breast imaging, essentially, we're only dealing with two things, things that are cancerous and things that are not cancerous. And because it's cancer and there's so much stress around cancer as well as liability around it, mammography is heavily regulated by the federal government. And BIRADS is the mandated language that we use in all of our reports so that our reports are clear and concise and referring clinicians as well as other breast imagers can fully understand exactly what the finding, recommendation, and management in a report is. Great, thank you. And yeah, that's uh, that. I think that's a, a clear way to kind of explain uh, BIRADS and why we use it and why it's so important for radiology. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's probably the most worked out and best researched um, sort of scoring system in all of radiology, just because of the history and how much we use it and uh, how uh, ubiquitous it is. Um, now, I think you know we all, even residents, uh, have heard about all the BIRAD scores, the numbers one through five. Um, can you just describe or and, and explain to us what are the different scores mean uh, one through five? What, what are those scores? What are those all about? Absolutely. So these scores essentially give the referring clinician an idea of how likely it is that this patient's lesion is cancerous. So starting at one, where there is zero, essentially zero chance that the patient has cancer and going all the way down to six, where we've actually had a biopsy that proves this patient has cancer. So we start at one, and what one would be is if the patient has a screening exam or a follow-up exam to a screening exam, and we find absolutely no findings. In other words, it's completely normal. So that would be a BIRADS-1, and it's categorized as negative. And so there's, again, essentially a 0% chance that that patient has cancer. Now, not everything that's a finding is a cancer. Some things are benign. So that's how we get to our category two. So BIRADS category two is a 
benign findings. So that means there's something on the mammogram. It's not completely normal, but we know based on previous tissue sampling or based on at least two to three years of stability that this finding is benign. And again, this essentially means that you have a 0% chance of malignancy in this patient. When you get a rating of a one or a two on any mammogram, those, those patients return to either routine screening mammogram if they're 40 or older or age appropriate management if they're younger. So that's BIRADS one and two. BIRADS three is a category where we think things are probably benign. And what that means is there's less than a 2% chance of a patient having cancer based on the finding. And we base this on what it looks like, and I'll get in a little later how to talk about masses and calcifications and other things. But based on a study done when mammography was first coming of age in the 1970s and 80s, a famous radiologist tracked all these different findings and how likely they were to be cancer. And those that were less than 2% likely to be cancer when followed up ended up being in this category. So it's important to stress when you're um, a, re a resident on breast imaging and talking to a patient that it's not a 0% chance of cancer here, but it's a less than 2% chance of cancer. So what do we do with these patients? Well, they can't go back to screening mammography because there's still a small chance they have cancer. So what we usually do is we do a short interval follow-up. We usually do a six-month follow-up mammogram or ultrasound, depending on where we saw the finding. And this allows us to follow it up at a short interval. So if there's a change, we can catch it before it would alter the prognosis. If God forbid, it was part of that two, less than 2% that are actually cancer. And research has been done that the six-month interval follow-up is the interval that is the least likely to cause a change in prognosis if followed at that interval. So if we have a higher suspicion that it could be malignancy based on the imaging characteristics, it ends up going to our category four. And this is our broadest category. And this is our suspicious category. So anybody who gets a category four, we don't follow it. We don't want to wait. We're suspicious enough of this mass that we want to do a tissue sampling or a biopsy to find out exactly what this is. And this ranges anywhere from a greater than 2% chance of malignancy to a less than 95% chance of malignancy. So it's a very broad category, but anyone who gets a BIRADS-4, that way the doctor knows it's suspicious and that there's a decent chance of malignancy and the management is tissue sampling or biopsy. Then there's a BIRADS-5. What a BIRADS-5 is, is a greater than 95% chance of malignancy based on the imaging characteristics of the finding. And clearly, just like BIRADS-4, we need to do tissue diagnosis with this. So why have a 4 and a 5? The reason we have a 4 and a 5 is because we are so sure that this is cancer if it's a 5, that if the biopsy says it isn't cancer, we don't accept that result as true, and we would actually have the finding excised for full pathological evaluation. And then lastly, we have BIRAD 6, and this is when we actually have a biopsy proving cancer. And you'll say, well, if you've already biopsied it, why do you need a BIRADS category? Well, in the age of MRI and in the age of advanced imaging and breast, and breast imaging, sometimes we do additional staging studies on patients already diagnosed. And so on these studies, it's important that we delineate that we already do know there is a cancer. 
So that's how we do our one through six staging um, and categorizing using BIRADS. That was great, Carolyn. Um, actually, I think I actually understand uh, BIRADS <laughs> now. It took me about 20 years, but I'm, I'm there. Um, but in all we have about 800 screening mammograms <laughs> and some health reads. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so I guess the, uh, the two things that kind of came out of that was one is um, what I heard was also in addition to like the standardization, right? And, the, and communication was really emphasized there. You're talking about how you use that category, even though you know, you know what it is so that there's no misunderstanding as you know, the various communication goes to patients and referring doctors. I think that's something that's been really um, impactful. And I'm mean, sure you, you would know that better than us, but I think that's something that other Subspecialties, I think, are, are looking for, right? And we've, we've gone into other um, radiology reporting and standardization for that very reason. Another thing I think, and maybe you could touch on this, is um, the quality side of it, right? You mentioned how, you know, I think it's important for the residents to understand you're not just categorizing it, you know, benign or, or, or you know, possibly benign, but it also really puts into uh, effect or a, a process of like where are they going into follow up and how that follow up is going to be. And, and it really kind of helps standardize and improve the quality, right, for the patient. So is there anything you want to add there or, or emphasize there? Yeah, no, it's very true. And the whole reason we're doing this, and like, and like uh, Chris said, is there are other, they're doing this for prostate cancer. They're doing this for lung cancer. There's been some similar things done on other um, modalities in body imaging as well, just because it's a clear, concise way and it's data-driven, like Chris was saying. We have research that back up that if you get a category four, it's this chance of malignancy. And actually, for a lot of residents don't realize that all breast images are audited every year to check that when we give a category four, that the actual percentage of cancers is within the recommended percentage of cancer. So for a BIREDS three, they wanna make sure every time I give a BIREDS three, my percentage of cancer out of those is less than 2%. Right. So it's really important, not only does it allow referring clinicians and patients to fully understand um, the suspicious nature or lack thereof of their lesion, but it also holds mammographers responsible for ensuring that their decisions are in line with a standard. Yeah, that quality component of it, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just wanted to piggyback. You did a great job on that, that characterization, but um, can you talk maybe just briefly on uh, modifiers? What are um, the different modifiers we sometimes see in these reports? Um, and what should the residents know um, as they kind of begin to understand the BIRADS classification? Exactly. So the real place where we see modifiers are in BIRADS 4. Remember how I said that was the broadest category, that it could range from anywhere than greater than 2% cancer to less than 95% cancer? Well, we have modifiers in that, in that one category because that's a really broad range. And it's very stressful for a referring clinician or a patient to just get a 4 because that really doesn't tell them how worried they should be. So there are modifiers of 4A, 4B, and 4C within the four category. Now we can always just give a four, that's always an option, but it's better, it's better patient care and better communication to give a modifier. So 4A is something that we have a really low suspicion of malignancy for, between two, greater than 2% and less than 10%. So these are like things that are circumscribed masses that are probably a fibroadenoma, calcifications that are probably fibrocystic change, but we're just a little too suspicious to do a six-month follow-up. So that's a 4A. So very low suspicion of malignancy. And as you can imagine, as a referring clinician, to have that 
it's easier to counsel the patient about this biopsy and hopefully talk them down from thinking they're going to die tomorrow of breast cancer to letting them realize, oh, okay. So, you know, this is the radiologist being cautious and there's a very low chance, but it's high enough that we should do the biopsy. Then there's a 4B, and this is a moderate suspicion of malignancy. And that's anywhere from greater than 10% chance to less than 50% chance. So this is more along the lines of getting closer to the coin flip, right? So you've got a decent chance here. We're almost at that 50% mark. So this is, again, a good way to counsel the patient that, yeah, there's a decent chance you have cancer, but there's still a pretty good chance you don't. And that's moderate suspicion. 4C is high suspicion for malignancy. So this is where the referring clinician might really want to get the patient prepared for a positive cancer biopsy result. Even maybe book a, um, pre-book a consultation with a surgeon so that if this comes back cancer, since the chances are 50 to 95% that this could be cancer, they might pre-book an appointment with the surgeon and really prepare the patient so that they're not as shocked when they hear they have cancer. Um, so those are the modifiers. And I think they really help with, as I said, patient care as well as um, communication with the referring clinician and allowing them to fully be able to communicate with the patient. Because remember, they're not an expert in mammography. That's excellent. Um, so, it, so it sounds like those sort of 4A, B, and C uh, modifiers for the four category uh, are really meant for the patient management, for the referring clinician. And so, you know, for, for all of our trainees, when we use those modifiers, I think we need to keep that in mind that the person who uh, is going to be affected by that, of course, the patient, but also the referring clinician, surgeon, who may be taking care of the patient in the future. Great. Now, what about uh, in, a, in a similar vein, sometimes you see, uh, not commonly, but a, a, a mammography report that has a BIRAD zero. What does BIRAD zero mean? So BIRAD zero, by the formal term, means incomplete. It means it's an incomplete exam, and it can be incomplete for a number of reasons. Um, but what it means is additional either prior films or current imaging is needed for us to give one of the definitive categories. So we most commonly give a BIRAD zero off of screening. So if somebody comes in for a screening mammogram and we see something that is not able to be categorized as benign from prior biopsy or comparisons, um, we will give it a BIRAD zero, which means they need to come back for a diagnostic mammogram which is a targeted specialized mammogram just to look at this abnormality um, and also sometimes is in conjunction with ultrasound. And once we do these additional images, then we give it a final BIRADS category, one through usually at that point five. It's usually not six at that point, one through five. Um, another reason you can get a zero is we need to compare to prior imaging. So maybe somebody shows up without their prior mammograms and we see something and we'd hate to do additional workup, which involves cost to the patient as well as radiation exposure to the patient if this has been on their mammogram for 20 years. So what we'll sometimes do is say by red zero, uh, requesting priors, we'll await the prior exams to arrive, make a comparison, and then we'll give a final by -reds. And the final by -reds could be a one or a two, but it could also again be a zero if this is a new finding and then we send them off again for a diagnostic mammogram, at which point we can then give a one through five ranking. You mentioned the, the various uh, 
categories and modifiers and certainly the BIRAD zero, which is, um, you know, kind of a work in progress as far as where the patient needs to, to go and, and what needs to be done. Um, what about the various modalities? I know, you know, certainly when I was training, we, you know, BIRAD was almost synonymous with mammography and, yeah. and ultrasound and, and MRI was a little bit more um, supplemental, but certainly that has evolved over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. And I guess with the newest uh, addition uh, a few years ago, we've made some, some slight changes with MRI and, and ultrasound. Can you speak to um, the scoring system or categorization with other modalities? Do we use the same you know, BIRADS number or is it used differently with ultrasound and MRI? Um, explain it to someone like myself who, who, who knows very little about this or certainly a first-year resident. Like what, what system do we use when we're using other modalities? Absolutely. So what, what Chris was referring to is that in 2014, the fifth edition of BIRADS was released, which updated it. So he, Chris is right. A long time ago, we only used um, BIRADS for mammography, and we did not assign a BIRADS to ultrasound and MR. Um, in subsequent versions of BIRADS, we then added BIRADS to ultrasound, and now more recently, we've added BIRADS to MRI. And so everything I said about the BIRADS system is exactly the same for mammography, ultrasound, and MRI. Um, the meanings are all the same. The risk of malignancy is all the same. The only thing that difference is the, differs is the way we just, the terms in BIRADS, because BIRADS is also more than just numbers. It's also terms of a standardized way we describe uh, the findings. We tend to describe things slightly differently on these different um, modalities, mammogram, ultrasound, MRI, mainly due to the different imaging characteristics. For example, when we're looking at mammography, we look at things according to density because it's um, x-ray and the amount of x-rays that pass through determine the density, whereas on ultrasound, we're using um, sound waves and we talk about echogenicity. Um, to describe the cut quote color, I guess we call or shade of the mask. Whereas MRI, we're using contrast and we talk about enhancement versus non-enhancement. So while the BIRADS ranking categories for suspicion of malignancy stay the same, some of the individual descriptors we use differ between the uh, modalities, mainly to describe the same basic things, which are masses, calcifications, asymmetries, and distortions. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that really does clarify, uh, you know, sort of the difference. Uh, you know, we use the same system, but it's different modalities, mammogram, ultrasound, MRI. Sometimes that can get a little confusing. But yeah, that, mm -hmm. that does make a lot of sense that you're, you're talking different technology modalities. So uh, there would be a set of different terminology. Um, now, what about up to this point? We haven't really talked about uh, actually diagnosing. <laughs> we haven't gone into depth about talking about diagnosing abnormalities mm -hmm. on a mammogram or an ultrasound. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? So what types of abnormalities are there? You know, we always hear calcifications and masses, but there are others. Uh, what's that terminology? What do those um, words mean? Sure. So the most common thing we tend to see as an abnormality on screening mammography is something called an asymmetry. And we have to remember with screening mammography, we have, a, we have two views of a breast and it's compressed and we compress it for a few reasons. The top three reasons we compress it for is one, mo to prevent motion, to hold the breast in place, two, to make the tissue thinner so that we can use less radiation to image it, and three, to try to separate the tissue because there's all this overlapping tissue and we wanna press it out to be as thin as possible um, so that we can see masses and other things hiding. And one of the most common things we see are asymmetries. 
And asymmetries can result from multiple things. The most common thing is from overlapping breast tissue. So an asymmetry is essentially an area of increased density, okay? And the most common reason we see that is not enough compression or an area that doesn't get compressed enough and there's just overlapping tissue. However, sometimes these areas of increased density can actually be due to a developing breast cancer or a benign mass even or a cyst. So asymmetries are the most common thing we see. And an asymmetry that is only seen on one of the two views of the breast, we take two orthogonal views, is called just an asymmetry. Whereas if we see a corresponding asymmetry in both views, it's called a focal asymmetry, which is an asymmetry in two views. And the important thing to know about an asymmetry, it doesn't really have defined borders. Um, it's mainly just this area of increased density that's asymmetric from the rest of the breast. After an asymmetry, the thing we look at next are usually, we look for masses. So a mass is a step up from an asymmetry. It's more likely to be real. So an asymmetry most of the time is overlapping breast tissue. And this is good. And again, this is where BIREDS comes in handy because referring clinicians see asymmetry in your report and say, oh, oh, okay. We know, I've seen this before. The radiologist says asymmetry, but a lot of times it's just overlapping tissue. And again, they can guide the patient on how much, how worried they should be. Whereas when we step up to a mass, now we're getting a little more worried. This has defined borders and it can be seen in two views. So now we're talking a three-dimensional object with defined borders. So this worries us more. That being said, it can be benign, like a fibroadenoma or a cyst, or it can be malignant, like a breast cancer. So those are our solid masses, like our things we worry about for solid masses. And then the most suspicious finding related to a mass would be architectural distortion. And this is the hardest one for residents to comprehend. And it's also the hardest one for everybody to see on MAMO, especially when you start out. What it is, is breast cancers cause, some, cause something called desmoplastic reaction. So when the tumor invades the tissue, it causes tethering of the tissue to a central point, which ends up creating almost like an asterisk, if you think about it, where the tumor's in the center of the asterisk and it has all these lines sticking out from it, because it's pulling the tissue in and tethering the tissue centrally. This is the most concerning finding. And almost every time you see architectural distortion, the vast majority of the time, it is a cancer. So that's our most concerning thing. So we go from asymmetries, which are almost always, most usually overlapping tissue and benign, to architectural distortion, which almost 90 to 95% of the time are a breast cancer. So those are those findings. And then in addition, we have the finding that um, screening mammography helps with the most, which is calcifications. And the reason a mammographer likes to see calcifications on a mammogram is because A, almost 70 to 80% of calcifications are benign, but B, when they are malignant, they represent the earliest, most treatable form of breast cancer called ductal carcinoma in situ. And calcifications are only well seen on mammography. They're not well seen on ultrasound and not well seen on MR. And this is why we use mammography as a screening tool and not ultrasound or MR. And so calcifications are seen as very dense little white um, specks, so to speak. And they can be in multiple different shapes, um, multiple different sizes. They can be in different distributions. They can be grouped. They can be scattered. They can be linear. And all of these descriptors I'm saying 
point to how suspicious calcifications are. So for example, I always joke with my residents, if you see the calcification easy when you look at the mammogram, it's probably not cancer. So a big coarse calcification, a big round calcification, those are usually benign things like fat necrosis or um, uh, uh, infarcted fibroadenoma. When you have to squint to see the calcifications, those are the ones we worry about. Those are usually the ones that are related with ductal carcinoma in situ because they occur within the ducts. And a lot of times we see them as thin linear branching calcifications, or we see them as grouped, again, in a duct, pleomorphic calcifications, which I call punctuation calcifications, because it looks like a bunch, it looks like somebody went nuts on the keyboard and pressed periods and commas and asterisks and dashes and all these different shapes. And they're all different shapes. And that's because there's necrosis. And necrosis occurs in cancers because they outstrip their blood supply. Again, bad. So all these things help us categorize these salient findings, which are asymmetries, masses, architectural distortion, and calcifications, to decide what BIRADS category they should be. That's a great uh, outline of the uh, terminology um, for the residents. And I think there's a good spot for a reminder. Um, Dr. De Benedictus has provided uh, a great article in Radiographics uh, Pictorial Review of the Changes of BIRADS. Um, it's in the show notes, so take a look at that. And hopefully we can convince Carolyn to come back and maybe talk a little bit more in detail about some of the calcifications and malignancies at some other time in the future. Um, but to round it out, I guess we always like to, to think about um, you know learning from others' mistakes. So you know having worked with so many residents and, and, and seeing so many um, mammographies over the years, um, what, what have you seen as, as some of the common pitfalls and, and some of the maybe some uh, couple of points that you could kind of reference for the, for the residents who are just beginning out? Absolutely. So I think the top two um, would be not thinking it's important to know BIRADS and not knowing the difference between an asymmetry and a focal asymmetry. So I'll start with BIRADS. Honestly, as a first year resident, um, I know I previously did a podcast about, you know, ways to be a good first year resident and what you should and shouldn't know. So we don't expect you to know anything coming into mammography as a first year resident, but the one thing we expect you to learn on your first rotation is BIRADS. If you learn nothing else on your first rotation, we don't care. The most important thing to do is to learn the BIRADS ranking and descriptor system. Once you know that, you can learn everything else. But if you don't have a solid foundation in BIRADS, then you're never gonna get mammography. So what I always recommend to my first year residents, I actually, I don't recommend, I actually give it to them. <laughs> I hand them the BIRADS fifth edition manual. And I say, do not read anything else on your first rotation except this. All I care is that you know the ranking system, which of course, probably in one night you can memorize, zero through six. But then I say, by the end of the month, you should know all the ways to describe the appropriate descriptors because you cannot use words that are not BIRADS in your reports. So if you don't learn this at the beginning, you're gonna have wrong reports all through your residency. So I tell them to learn all the appropriate descriptors and learn how the descriptors influence the BIRADS that you pick. And if they learn nothing else, I am thrilled if that's what they learned. And then the last one is kind of just a dorky breast imagers pet peeve, which is the asymmetry versus focal asymmetry. Uh, it's a big pet peeve of, of, of mammographers because an asymmetry is sign seen in one view and a focal asymmetry is sign seen in two views. And so what I always tell residents is, 
You can use asymmetry to describe an asymmetry or a focal asymmetry, but you can only use a focal asymmetry to describe something in two views. So I always recommend if you're going to say anything, just always say asymmetry because you can't be wrong, <laughs> but you never want to call something seen in one view a focal asymmetry. And it's tricky because focal makes you feel like it should be the one in one view, but it's the one in two views. So when in doubt, just say asymmetry. And it's kind of a dorky thing. No one's going to die if you say it the wrong way, but mammographers get really annoyed. <laughs> Yeah, I think we all have that in all of our specialties. Yeah, we all have all our certain pet peeves. Uh, pet peeves. Um, and I think the other thing which you mentioned was the um, you know the comment about learning birads. I guess it's like you know you, you can't spell and read before you know the alphabet. It's you got to know the letters exactly. first, and it's like yeah, get you know get the uh, the lay of the land first before you can actually you know really uh, delve into it. So that's really some really great knowledge. I you know, appreciate that. Well, great. That wraps it up for today uh, in this uh, comprehensive review of BIRADS. Um, and I, I, we really hope that this is helpful, uh, for, especially for the residents who go on to uh, go into the breast imaging uh, rotation for the first time. Uh, I think we just got a glimpse of, you know, the reason why uh, people have to do an entire year of breast imaging fellowship to kind of concentrate on that uh, subspecialty and, and, and do that for the rest of their lives. But uh, thank you very much, Carolyn, um, and uh, we hope to have you back. Thank you very much for having me. And that concludes today's episode. Thank you for listening and supporting From the Viewbox. We've attached additional reading materials to the episode notes as provided by our guest. And please visit us at www.umassmed.edu backslash radiology. Thank you to our colleagues Charlene Barron, Tom Delaney, and Dan Ramsaran for their technical assistance. See you next time.